This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I envision a world where every B2B SaaS startup succeeds because they're creating software that customers would miss if they were gone. And here's why. Research consistently shows that 90% of all startups fail, and that's bad. What's worse, however, is that 75% of SaaS scale-ups fail, companies that are supposed to have product market fit. Far too few scale-ups create the traction they aspire for and fail for the wrong reasons. And I believe this should stop. And hence I created my business. And the goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. First, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. Secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what it requires to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Ervin Draganovic, CEO and co-founder of Layerize. We were not able to look at the market and say, okay, this is kind of evolutionary step. We really kind of had to envision a future and then, you know, a good way of predicting the future is actually by creating it. So you're kind of looking far out 10 years and saying, okay, in 10 years time, how is a modern hardware, you know, consumer goods manufacturer dealing with post-sales activities? Are they aware who their customers are? Do they need to be, you know, at the constant relationship with their customers? What are the factors of competitive advantage at that point for each brand? And then we're looking, okay, if those are actually to have the best customer experience, product onboarding, customer relationship, and so on and so forward, what do we then need to do today? This is Ervin. He's got a proven track record in product development, leadership, and corporate governance, and has the capacity to attract, build, and lead top-performing teams. He calls himself a digital, product-driven, corporate opportunist. In 2019, he co-founded Layerize, which he leads as his CEO. Layerize is on a mission to help companies make their products come alive. Its vision is to create a world free from all the print and ink material used for consumer products and service onboarding. At its core, Layerize believes it can convert environmental positive impact into commercial growth for enterprises worldwide. And that inspired me. And hence I invited Irvin to my podcast. We explore what is broken in the consumer experience process when it comes to physical consumer goods. Aaron explains how he has found a way to transform a global industry and how he has managed to turn a compliance requirement into a commercial engine. He also shares his tough lessons learned in taking the product to market and selling it to an audience that is going to love it in five to 10 years time, but is not aware it exists. Last but not least, he sets apart what he believes is required to create a SaaS business that's worth making a remark about. And by listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, what we need to do differently to create SaaS products that have a transformative impact rather than an evolutionary one. 
Secondly, how to package your SaaS product to wake up the market and to make people think, holy moly, we definitely have to step up our game. Thirdly, that if you don't do your product right, you end up spending a lot of budget on marketing. And fourthly, what mindset to embrace to ensure a lifelong competitive advantage. Well, hi Ervin. Thank you for making the time available today and being a guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and looking forward to this call because it's something that I believe has a great future. We're going to talk about your company, Layerize. Before we do so, a little bit about yourself. If you would have to describe yourself in or characterize yourself in two or three words, what words would you use? Curious and ambitious and accountable. Accountable. Yep. A couple of very good yeah, characteristics to have. Anyone specific that you're most proud of? I think, you know, my career has been driven by my curiosity to constantly kind of move the needle in within the spaces that I have occupied myself with. My background has been, you know, within product since I have taken up the role as a CEO and founder of Layerize. Product is driven by the ambition of kind of doing a better job tomorrow that you've done today. Curiosity to kind of always make things better, faster, and more pleasing for your customers, providing a better value. So I think that has definitely kind of molded me into the person and the, the professional I am today. So curiosity is, I get enough of many things, but it's difficult to kind of fill me up with too much so I don't have more curiosity to something. No, but I think it's definitely something that I see a lot. Actually, it's chapter number four in my book, What Are the Traits of a Remarkable Software Company? And curiosity is absolutely yeah, one of them. So that's this, I mean, without curiosity, we don't move the needle on anything. It stays stay static. We, yeah, absolutely true. You know, the only kind of, you know, thing that curiosity brings with it is, you know, you come up with ideas, solutions, possibilities, problems, you know, all these things that they require cognitive effort. So you are then left with huge portion of accountability if you want to do you know, make changes to those, it has to come from yourself, right? So I think, uh, you know, accountability is definitely up there with that, you know, it's a good balance with yeah. being curious. Yeah. I mean, ideas are cheap, but the ones that execute them, that requires grit or accountability to yourself or to your team in order to do that. Well, that, it's a nice bridge to what you're doing. And because at the end you're doing, yeah, it's, it's about the product that you're creating, but it's also about your whole product is about product. <laughs> <laughs> summarize that right. And your website is interesting says, way of putting it. Yeah. Interactive and effective product onboarding. So refocus on product instructions to interactive customers' experience. How did this start? What did you see in the market that where you said, hey, wait a minute, this is actually this requires a different approach. This is screaming for a solution. Certain problems are worth solving at certain you know, certain timing, you're looking for a couple of drivers that are definitely sufficient for something to be solved. So I think yeah. for me, in terms of providing a solution to the problem space, as you define, like how do you create great product onboarding tools for hardware products? That is a category that Layerize specifically focuses on. We were definitely looking for a number of drivers in the market, but kind of the genesis of the problem has not been something that has sneaked up on me. 
is a number of years of frustration that each time I bought something to my home or provide a gift to somebody, it has been unpleasant experience that I had to sit down with a user manual made of cheap paper, typography that is very hard to read, image quality that is blurred. It was very hard to get myself motivated enough to you know study that, even though I should, even though I should probably read how to use the product I just got, you know, that I just bought. So that frustration has kind of been building up in me and kind of how could this actually be sold? You know, what are the reasons for that the market has decided to function this way? What are the manufacturer of hardware goods even you know, considering when doing this, and specifically also, am I the only end consumer that finds this weird? And, you know, I go online and find my, you know, product that I want to buy through digital means. I buy for the product through digital means. And then suddenly when I get home, I then need to go back to 1800 and, you know, read a user manual to get to use it. So there was just a disconnect, a delta here that, you know, had to be solved. So it was a frustration, you know, over a number of years, that that's only yep. I felt now there is technical, there is market perception, there is a market need, and also regulation allows for this to be re-engineered in a much better way, where both the manufacturer gets something out of it, but also as an end consumer, you get you know the benefits you're looking for. Interesting. So what did you find out was the reason or the argument from hardware manufacturers to do it this way? Was this margin? Was this not caring? No, it's compliance. You know, the user manual is not made for you and I as an end consumer, it's made for compliance. It's not something that is there to really give you that experience that you should be looking for. Or, you know, brands and manufacturers, they do not expect you to read the user manual. That's why over the last 15 years, you know, one area they have invested heavily in is large service centers, support centers, making sure to take in, you know, all this inbound of recurring questions that are, again, the same and the same. And that's not because people are dumb. It's basically because the information that needs to be at hand for the customer to learn how to use it is hidden or at the level that is cognitively hard for somebody to find it. Thereby, it's just easier to write back to a support ticketing system and await few days to get the right response, you know, creating yeah. a huge inbound. So that's kind of the reasoning behind it. But and then the regulations around this have also been a bit difficult, tricky. But now luckily, you kind know, of with the wave of things need to be sustainable, digital, this is now an option that is highly popular. Yeah, I can understand that. So the next question for me is always like, what is the opportunity if we get this right? If Do you already see like before and after that these hardware manufacturers and then suddenly see the opportunity that maybe this is a, this can give them an edge, that this give them more faster adoption, less returns, mm-hmm. these type of things? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the number of areas that we can provide a return on investment on. One has to remember that as a hardware manufacturer, if you manufacture something out of China, let's say you designed in Europe, whatever, and you sell your product through brick and mortar stores, kind of the classical sales channels, you might have a fleet of e-commerce partners. The first and foremost thing that you do not know anything about is your customers, because those customers are buying a product off shelf. So you never recognize them. So the, the first area that we provide their investment on is recognizing that customer, somebody who has been unknown and somebody who only becomes a known data point is if they have 
issues, right? If they write to a support ticketing system. So that's kind of one area that we really kind of declassify a mysterious customer group to a kind of a profile customer segment. On top of that, we lower incoming inbound questions, recurring questions from customers, because we suddenly have an upfront self-service solution that is available to the end consumer at any point of time in a very affordable UI. Cognitively, it's easy to find the information you're looking for. And it's also something that drives you, not just you, to learn more stuff. Furthermore, we also provide the ability as we connect the customer with the product suddenly, suddenly we know, okay, customer A has bought product B, has been a customer for three months, has read X, Y, and Z parts of documentation, has maybe rated a product five out of five stars. We can also use this information for marketing solutions. So marketing suddenly becomes an efficient method because you're using your current customer base as the baseline profile if you are doing lookalike campaigns and so on and so forth. So there's a number of areas we provide kind of a better efficiency on. Interesting, huh? And something that has actually always been done just for compliance. And I can completely see that. I mean, all these manuals that I've read in the past are just not made for that. So, well, you started your business. Let me see. What was the year that it got founded? We got funded in mid 2020. We received series, oh, we received a seed round, and then we also raised a pre seed, and then we raised a seed round six months later. Yeah, so we started in, in 2020. Yeah, so it was in the middle of the COVID period, where of yes. course you were buying a lot of things from the outside, and they were arriving at your desk, and then you got distracted. Hundred <laughs> percent, you know, raising around, pitching our product for potential customers and investors during kind of a pandemic is always not something one tries many times. Hopefully, no. in their business career, is definitely the kind of thing we had to kind of deal with. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to kind of go back to that period, like since two years ago now, well, almost yeah, almost two years ago. So how did it all start? From all the technology, of course, available in the world these days, I think, well, like you said before, there's a number of ways coming towards us where technology gets mature enough to do things we've never been able to do before. I think in the pre-conversation, we already had a discussion around yeah, moving the needle and uh, creating the future. I'm always interested, like, what choice do you make there? Because it's easy to say we're going to build everything from scratch, but what did you decide to kind of leverage and what did you decide to really hone in on yourself to create defensible differentiation? So I think the way that we function at Layerize and specifically during those days, we were not able to look at the market and say, okay, this is kind of evolutionary step. This is what we just need to improve. It's a kind of a slight improvement to the current tooling that the manufacturers are using to kind of really progress the advancement of great product onboarding post-sale solutions. We really kind of had to envision a future and then, you know, a good way of predicting the future is actually by creating it. So you're kind of looking far out 10 years and saying, okay, in 10 years time, how is a modern hardware, you know, consumer goods manufacturer dealing with post-sales activities? Are they aware who their customers are? Do they need to be, you know, at the constant relationship with their customers? What are the factors of competitive advantage at that point for each brand? And then we're looking, okay, if those are actually to 
have the best customer experience, product onboarding, customer relationship, and so on and so forward, what do we then need to do today? Let me make a small interruption here. Erwin just made an excellent remark about the approach that they took to build a remarkable SaaS business from the start. They started with the end, by envisioning the future of the modern consumer hardware manufacturers, understanding what that future was all about, and then work backwards, identifying the shortest way to get there through technology. And this is a trait remarkable software companies master. They focus on the essence, the future transformation. Then they master curiosity and create new value possibilities. And you can master these traits as well. The first step, simply read my book. I've made the electronic version available for free. Just visit theremarkableeffect.com to grab your copy and inspiration will start in the first 10 minutes. Back to the interview. So when we started out, we were looking at three areas of excellence. One, how do we utilize the most modern engineering stacks to build SaaS platform that has the potential to scale as a B2C business, but has the opportunity to support enterprise level customer with wide label solutions? Right. So that's kind of that's the first thing. The second thing is how do we use modern design tech? techniques to really kind of re-enhance or rejuvenate the information that is currently delivered in printed user manual in a digital form, but suddenly just because it's digital and it has a number of benefits around it, it is valued, you know, times 10 by the end customer and they want to engage with it. You know, that's yeah. very important to really kind of, and then finally, how do we then package this in for it to be a product that we could sell? to a market that, you know, luckily for us is kind of waking up and saying, holy moly, you know, I definitely need to step up my game because I'm seeing all of these new smaller kickstart brands coming up, you know, producing something out of China. But the first thing they do right is they know who their customers are. They treat yeah. them as gold, right? And I have been around for 20, 30, 50 years, and I have no idea who my customers are. I really kind of need to do that. At the same time, I need to be sustainable because green is kind of a marketed position. So yeah. we were kind of using those three aspects to build the proposition that we are driving the business on today. Fantastic. I love that story. And now specifically also because you envisioned something that's in 10 years time, how are these companies going to be competitive? And with your last point also that the, the established base is going to be really, really, yeah, do you say that almost getting intimidated by like the threat that's coming towards them by those companies that actually get it. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely, like you know, the, yeah, um, absolutely. Because this has been kind of common practice. Everybody has sort of yeah, realized that this is the way it is. You get a product, this is how it's done. This is how you get your manual. And then that's a common thing. But yeah, you're really creating a different norm there. I love that. What has been the hardest thing to crack on this journey for you? What has been the hardest things to crack? So in kind of, when we look at the whole business, if I look at the whole business, like, okay, what has kind of been the, the most challenging part? It's not been innovation because it's easy to innovate when your competitor is a paper with some text on, right? Yeah. Then it's kind of, you, you don't have to do much to really kind of make it so much better. It's more been, how do you take a product to market that the customer who is going to buy it and is going to love it in five to 10 years times are not aware that it exists? Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, that for us has kind of been really, really kind of interesting. And uh, luckily, you know, there are a number of global drivers that, that drives the need for our solution. It's uh-huh. not only kind of, you know, removing the prints or the manuals from the packages and making those packages smaller and make them more environmental friendly. Yeah. It's also driven by, you know, it's the cost of acquiring customers. You know, yeah. if the costs are going higher and higher, why don't you then focus more? on your existing customer base that exists somewhere, but you do not know anything about them, how do you actually get them captured? So it's, yeah. it's kind of been interesting and hard on getting the, not product market fit right, but product market channel fit right. Yeah, now, yeah, what yeah. channels should we utilize to get our story across and to actually get to the right decision maker? Yeah. I mean, the way you hook them, so to say, is that around the pain that they have? Because I can also understand that they don't realize they have a pain. Or is it more about Mm -hmm. an aspiration where they would like to be? What resonates best in this case? It's pain. Pain is absolutely the fastest motivator to take a decision. Yeah. Right. And I think as with life, that is also in business. And we are dealing with customers that, you know, have hundreds of products in their portfolio. They have millions of units sold every year. They have a customer base that is global. Everything is fragmented. There is very little centralization. So they come to us and say, okay, how do we centralize this while at the same time provide information to our customers that can be a competitive advantage, right? That information is delivered in a packaging that is suddenly sustainable as well. So we provide them, you know, a painkiller, if you will, not yeah, only a, a vitamin, if you want to use kind of those old, old yeah. analogies. So yeah, um, it's, it's, it's really uh, about something that's mission critical rather than a nice to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. What has been a counterintuitive lesson that you've learned along this journey that made a difference for you? Was there any something a that you thought was a lesson that you thought about this about and that it turned out to be completely different or something that was a big surprise to you coming out of this? Yeah. As an old school product guy, you do that all the time, right? If you're not proven wrong often, then you're not innovating <laughs> enough. I think one area that might have been surprising to me in terms of the specific market that we occupy ourselves with as a problem space is how little you know the last 15 years of digitalization has actually impacted the business. You know, we're still talking about, you know, within the SaaS industry and SaaS businesses, you know, if you don't know your customer, if you don't track them, if you don't have some kind of piping between your CS team and your sales team and know exactly, you know, when that customer is ripe for, you know, renewals or account upgrades, you are blind. Within hardware manufacturers and physical goods, you have no idea who your customers are, right? And you have no ability to manage their perception of your brand, Apart from, you know, doing the old school heavy marketing spend that has always yeah. been the last base. And I think for us, 
that's counterintuitive, you know, because, yeah. you know, if you don't do product right, you end up spending all your budgets on marketing. That's kind of the school of thought here. The marketing is the cost of not getting that product execution correct. So again, from a digital point of view, that is rather counterintuitive. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. And it makes you think, it actually gives opportunities as well, because you suddenly start to think about what else do I don't see or what, what is counterintuitive here? Well, so you build this business from 2020 onwards. You've been in this space also for a while, I've seen. I wrote a book, The Remarkable Effect, which is about the 10 traits that define remarkable software companies, so the companies that the world keeps talking about. What do you believe are essential traits to have in companies that yeah, master that? An accountability to the vision. That's kind of, I think, extremely important. I will go back to curiosity. I think there needs to be a certain level of inability to accept the status quo. You always need to kind of move past what you have achieved that you will believe is great you know, the next day. So not being satisfied is probably a good way of having a lifelong competitive advantage. Interesting to say that. It almost sounds negative. Not being satisfied gives you an edge. <laughs> but I see what you mean. I think I agree with that as well. Yeah. On this journey, yeah, what has been your biggest learning? That you will, or the revelation that you wish you would have known before? There are probably a couple of ones that are been kind of aha moments. I think go-to-market strategies are much more easier to deal with in with experiments than textbook kind of approaches. It's much better just to try a number of things out and see what works. I think that that's a great learning we have done during last year. The second of all is that when pushing the advancement of something as we are doing, you know, we're really kind of trying to re-innovate a complete set of activities that brands and manufacturers have done over the many, many decades, things take time. Just because we see the future is not necessarily something that others are willing to take a decision on straight away. So being able to kind of educate the market, be a thought leader in that is actually is very important. And that's also a learning that we have taken in here as well. If you have a vision, you also need to own it and teach others about it. Completely agree with that. That typically goes always in my last question as well about what did bits of wisdom which you share with other aspiring tech entrepreneurs, what would be a do or a don't? I mean, possibly you've already answered that from your own learnings, but would you advise other tech entrepreneurs um, to embrace? On the don't side, don't too early spend time on analyzing everything. I think you don't have enough data points. Those data points come from few opportunities, few decisions, too little time in the market. You end up kind of not being able to make any right decision otherwise. So you will be looking for a good decision, but it's not there yet. So you haven't exposed yourself to enough data points. So at that stage, analysis might end up being your paralysis. Definitely be aware of that. On the do side, I will definitely go for, if you feel it's, it's right and the market has not decided to do it yet do it anyways yeah that is really the entrepreneurial driver seeing things that others don't see and then yeah indeed making it happen i see that we are at the top of the hour exactly um, yeah i mean i'd like to thank you for your openness about telling the story and sharing the wisdom from here where can people go to find out more about you or about the company or yeah to connect to you and say hi 
Yeah, layerize.com is definitely where people can find all the information about the company. And then LinkedIn is kind of my second home. So people can reach out there. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Ervin. And thank yeah, you. I enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Have a good one. And this ends my conversation with Ervin. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Ervin Draganovic, CEO and co-founder of Layerize. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.